Hey, Hannah. Hey, Dante. How are you today? I'm doing well and pleased to be here. We have a special episode for folks today. We do have a special episode, and it's the first time we're in studio since being back in the office. Um, Today's episode, Hannah and I are going to discuss some of the top moments from our podcast so far. So we're going to round out the year with some of our favorite moments from each episode um, and each guest uh, in this, this special episode. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. I mean, we've had quite a year. We've learned from all the people who have contributed to the podcast so far, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about that more with you today. But first, I wanted to remind our guests, you know, this show wouldn't happen if it weren't for, number one, our supportive listenership. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you haven't already done so, again, rate and subscribe, but also from folks who submit their letters and they want to share their story with us. So, you know, if that's something that might interest you, we'd really recommend you go over to dbsalliance.org slash I'm Living Proof. Um, you know, look at how to submit your letter. We want to hear letters from folks um, between the ages of 18 and 35. Um, there's some guidelines on the website that can help walk you through it. Mm-hmm. And if you submit your letter and, you know, you, you maybe want to work on it more, we have editors here that can help you out with that. We'll walk you through the process. We'll schedule the podcast recording. It's really not an intimidating process at all. So if you're interested, again, head over to dbsalliance.org slash proof. Yeah, we're a small operation, but we do have a team here that works behind the scenes uh, with Hannah and myself. And if you want to work with Hannah and myself, just go ahead and submit that letter and we'll uh, sit down with you. We'll go over the steps of recording the podcast and we'll refine the letter if you need that help. Um, but like Hannah said, we really really want to hear from you and it's important for you to submit those letters um, so that we can have more episodes. Yeah, for sure. You know, when Johnny recorded his podcast, I remember him saying writing this letter was like therapy right. for him. And I think, you know, if this is something that is interesting to you, you know, find find a quiet time that you mm-hmm. can sit down and really, you know, reflect on a point in your younger life that was challenging and Think about how far you've come. I think it's very, um, a very healing activity to write to write in this way, and we would love to share your story with our audience. So, I think that's enough plug-in. Do you think? <laughs> do you think we'll get some more submissions, Dante? Yes, I am hoping that that will galvanize our listenership, and those letters will come in. Like I said, just go over to dbsalliance.org/slash I'm Living Proof. Scroll down the page a little bit after you've listened to the other episodes and submit your letter. For sure. All right, should we um, dive into the subject for today's podcast? Of course, we shouldn't keep the people waiting. They came here to know what our favorite moments were or what moments touched us the most. So let's dive right in. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, I have the first quote um, for our episode today. And um, this came from the first episode from our friend Olivia. Um, whose episode was titled Wellness is Trending Upward, which I loved. And I just want to read a quote from her episode that really resonated with me. Um, She wrote, You have a lot of love in your heart. For years, you've bottled in your worries and struggles because you think sharing them will make you a burden. Eventually, you'll learn that sharing your experiences is liberating and even helpful to those around you. Every time you share your story, the stigma around mental health breaks down a little both in people around you and in yourself. Love that quote from Olivia. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think I think what you know my takeaway was is is you know Olivia has is a member of our young adult council. She's really just been such a strong advocate. And I think you know the the purpose of this series for us, Dante, was to have moments like this, moments where people feel more liberated by sharing their stories. You know, especially after coming out of a period of time where maybe it was hard to talk about right. um, your symptoms. I'm always thankful for Olivia because she was our first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, she jumped at the opportunity to share her story. Um, and she is someone who embodies the, like, I'm living proof um, concept where she is constantly, um, both in her professional life and personal life, um, talking about her experiences living with um, a mood disorder and then also making herself available to others um, to be able to talk to her about their experience with a mood disorder, disorder, even if they haven't disclosed it to anyone else. Um, And so if you listen to her, uh, if you listen to her episode, um, when we did the live episode, she talked about like some of the stuff that's happening at work, but she also went back and talked about setting up those um, first support groups in college Mm -hmm. and, how she decided to do that and her story is amazing i i highly recommend if you haven't listened to the first episode or you didn't listen to the live episode go ahead and do so because olivia is a wealth of knowledge she absolutely is so so uh well spoken about all of this and we're really proud uh to have her as a young adult council member and as a contributor in this way so great So one of my favorite moments uh, was when Lauren talks about her relationship with her dad and handling family. Um, This was something that was briefly mentioned in her letter, but something we explored more when we had the interview with her. And one thing that like really struck me about it is when we started to talk about it, you could, I could see Lauren going back and like, we live in those things, but then also, if you hear her speak about it, you can hear her um, feel more like confident. I guess is the word I'm going to use about how she approached that that subject and how she navigated her family life and her loved ones mm-hmm. at the time. And I think one thing that's super important about that is that we hear a lot of time from parents or loved ones that they don't if they don't understand like what bipolar is or what depression is, it can be hard. And so there's a lot of emotions and you want to help the, you want to help your loved one, but everyone has to be open to receiving that information on both ends. And I'm, I appreciate Lauren being open about the difficulties that she had trying to navigate that space with her father. Yeah. You know, I think it's definitely, yeah, we hear stories from people all the time where there maybe is a family member who just doesn't fully appreciate um, what a diagnosis means. And I think, you know, Lauren has really grown in confidence just as an advocate herself. And um, yeah, I was really, you know, humbled that she would share. It's, it's hard to share these personal things about our family, you know, especially if there was some hard points in, you know, understanding diagnosis. Right. Um, so really proud that she was able to, to work through all that. Yeah, I remember when we were recording and she started to talk about this part, like it touched me. And so I had to like gather myself yeah. in order to push through the podcast because I was feeling for her right. in that in that moment. And um, I don't think we, you or I could do this without having a lot of empathy for um, the people we record with, but also being cognizant of that 
her sharing this story could help other parents and people, you know, dealing with their parents on this subject. And again, her being so open and honest about it and willing to talk about it and still willing to talk about it with us today. And um, like Hannah mentioned, Lauren is part of our Young Adult Council, so we have a lot of interactions um, with her. She is always willing to help. Um, and another plug for Lauren, if you ever want to know or you ever want some tips about navigating your insurance mm -hmm. and dealing with uh, the mental health system or the healthcare system and mental health, there is a Young Adult Council podcast that Lauren did about navigating insurance where she gives a bunch of tips and tricks. So um, she is, we really appreciate Lauren. Yeah, for sure. Especially on that, that uh, stuff about insurance. Because everyone knows not easy. No. Not easy. <laughs> not at all. And not fair, right? Especially when, you know, you turn 26, you get off your parents' health care. It's a very complicated thing. And if you're experiencing symptoms too. Right. But she's done all of it. And... Like, she's awesome for that. It's hard. It's hard for everybody. So if you're struggling with that right now, no, you're not alone. But we, we have some resources at DBSA that can help out with that for sure. Yes, especially like Hannah Thanks said. Yeah. If you're in that 26, just getting off your uh, parents' insurance, yes, go listen to that podcast. Now, some of this stuff may be a little out of date, out of date but the, the overall tips are still All right, I'll, I'll go with my, my next moment, if you don't mind, Dante. Of course. When we were talking to Gwyneth, um, Gwyneth's episode is episode five? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I should have all these titles. We handy. should. Um, but Gwyneth, you know, Gwyneth talked about the experience of being hospitalized while she was a junior in high school. And I think, you know, anyone who's been through their junior year in high school just knows what a hard time that is for anybody, right? Because you're, you're normally applying to colleges or you're taking tests or you're thinking about all those next steps. And I was so disheartened to hear the way that the hospital staff treated Gwyneth during a period of time where, you know, she had a hospitalization. She was looking um, to have an interview with Georgetown University, a university she has since been accepted to. Um, and the hospital staff literally didn't believe her, right, yeah. that she had this interview for Georgetown. And it's moments like these where I'm like, I, she phrased it so well in the podcast too, Dante. She said, you know, it's this assumption mm -hmm. of incompetence mm -hmm. for people who live with mental health conditions, which is such a stigmatizing thing. But I love that Gwyneth overcame that. Yes. She had her interview for Georgetown. She got in. Um, and... You know, just kind of the perseverance that we really saw throughout Gwen's letter is very inspiring to me. Yeah, in conducting that interview, when she drops the the medical staff didn't believe me. Right. The first thing that one of the first feelings that came up for me was how why would someone lie about this? Right. That's I just couldn't. Under, this person is a junior in high school. This is when people apply to college. And regardless if they're hospitalized or not, this person is saying, I need to turn in an application. How would you, how could you not do everything in your power to help that person out? Also, you're the medical staff. You're literally there to help them. Right. It, it still blows my mind that she had to go through that hardship when she was supposed to be getting help. Right. 
Um, and, you know, a lot of, I'm sure, listeners, um, either themselves or have loved ones who had experienced hospitalization. And it's one of those things that even here at DBSA, we are trying to make sure we get those um, personal experiences out there so people know how to navigate or at least know what you could expect going to hospitalization. Now, not everyone will have a negative um, time there, um, but just the Gwyneth story and the situation is. But we just need to raise awareness, you know, and it's like, I think how she phrased it, this presumption of incompetence. You know, if you are, if you are a loved one, if you are a provider yourself, just checking our bias on that because Mm -hmm. We know there's just so much stigma out there around mental health conditions. So, you know, just check yourself before you would ever question some something along those lines. Is yeah, and you know, wellness is a journey, and it encompasses all those things. Her getting into school and and you know filling out the application is part of her wellness journey. And to think that the hospital staff was becoming a barrier for right. her to continue her education um, is again maddening to me mm-hmm. um yeah but what's not maddening is how how proud we can be of Gwyneth for yes. how far she's come and what she, Gwyneth is also a young adult council member she's done awesome work with us this year so yes you probably so yeah if take that hospital staff yeah if you're familiar with any of our um stuff on social media from the young adult council or if you read any articles um you've probably read some of Gwyneth's work some of Olivia Olivia's work and some of Lauren's work as well um, they are big contributors um, to some of the content that we produce here at DBSA, not just podcast episodes. A guest that wasn't part of our Young Adult Council, um, but who had who said something during the live episode that struck me was Johnny um, when he said, "One of the things that I've learned is that healing is really expensive, and it shouldn't be that way." So we all know that a barrier to treatment for a lot of peers um, can be the cost of treatment. I believe Johnny was speaking to receiving a treatment where he was able to um, get some funds from his family um, and a combination of insurance and his own funds was able to receive this treatment. But when he was talking about this in the podcast, he was saying if he needed that treatment again, he doesn't know if he would be able to afford it. And that is the reality for so many people, especially with the pandemic and not having their people having job their job or losing their jobs, um, or their insurance just not covering certain um, treatment for mental health conditions. Um, you know, I am of the mind that cost should never be a barrier for someone's wellness, but unfortunately, it's not the reality in which we live, and so. We have to find ways um, for peers to get the help they need or educate them about navigating the healthcare system and making it work for them or provide things like DBSA does with free support groups. But, you know, it pains me to think that this is beyond mental health, right? This is if you needed insulin, if you needed any other like ongoing treatment and you just can't afford it, it just... It sucks. It sucks. It's challenging. You know, and I think that's why DBSA and our advocacy department, we've always been fighting for parity. Right. Parity meaning that we treat 
our physical health <laughs> reimbursement just as we would do our mental health reimbursement. Absolutely. What's challenging though too, you know, it's like Johnny went in to get a, a specialized treatment, right. you know, for that relates to trauma. And it's like, I think I just know I don't know. I wish there was a way in which these newer cutting edge treatments were more widely available, right? That would give us more data to study, you know, the effectiveness of these types of treatments. And it's important that we continue to great break ground yes. on, on new types of treatment options. And I think putting in such cost prohibitive barriers is is really just doing a disservice to, to all of us, you know, studying the effectiveness of this treatment. So absolutely. You know, I think uh, our, our great advocacy departments and all of these other advocacy organizations are doing our best to keep, you know, pushing that message up to the state and federal levels. But, um, yeah. you know, it's just, it's not worth not talking about because it's so important. Yeah, one of the things, if you're wondering if there's something that you can do to make these um, things more widely available, um, as Hannah just talked about, you can get involved with advocacy efforts, whether it's with DBSA or another mental health uh, organization, that's fine. You can also, though, participate in peer councils. I know DBSA hosts um, a handful a year. And participation in these peer councils um, allows the peer voice to be heard at every level so that we know that people living with depression or bipolar got to make decisions or influence decisions uh, on every piece. So whether it's through legislation, medication, new treatments, you can affect all of that. You just have to be involved in advocacy efforts or making sure that you're on the right email list. Again, whether that's with DBSA or another mental health organization, just get involved where you can. Yeah, absolutely. If you're in somewhere in your wellness journey where you're ready to advocate, I mean, that is a, definitely a good spot to start and, and look into because, you know, your lived experience, your voice matters. Absolutely. Can I go on to my, my next moment? Okay, great. Um, when we were listening uh, back to Maddie's episode, I was reminded that Maddie, um, Maddie suffered in silence a little bit in, in mm-hmm. high school, but she ended up submitting her own name to her student support service. Yeah. Um, and I just think that, first of all, it's great that her school has that if you're an educator and your school doesn't have that, you know, and you have any influence, look into that because I think it, it's great for schools to have that option. But just, you know, it, it it can be so hard to open up and say that you're going through something. Right. So even if there's a small way that you can do that, like submitting your own name to get the help you need, that's taking a big step. And, you know, like, I, I just really loved hearing Maddie talk about, you know, we all know what it's like to, to go through the hardships of high school. It's not easy, but, you know, in that subtle way, she really advocated for herself and got what she needed. Yeah, when she was telling this part of her story, um, I couldn't help but, like, picture a movie of her as a high schooler writing her name down and, like, looking around and dumping it yeah. or putting it into the <laughs> box. Like, that's that was the thing that um, it evoked for me. But wondering and we talked about a little bit uh kind of after the podcast wondering like um what it took to build up the courage to say i need help but also having how how much it helped having the anonymous part right right and so submitting her own someone submitting her name 
Um, and then, you know, having a counselor reach out to her um, and talk about her experiencing these first symptoms. Um, Maddie's story also uh, struck me because when we were talking to Maddie and interviewing her, we learned that her mom is a guidance counselor. Yeah. So this is someone who is trained or presumably trained to recognize the early signs of um, mental health conditions and to learn that, you know, I'm sure, and Maddie mentions it, mentions it in her um, pod that I'm sure her mom saw the signs, but her mom had to make the decision mm-hmm. of, you know, to let Maddie explore that herself. Right. Um, I know sometimes it can be hard to say, I'm seeing someone go through something and I just want to jump into action. But sometimes you have to let people figure that out for themselves. Um, and I'm sure that was a super hard decision for her mom. I'm not going to put, I'm not going to um, put any words in her mother's mouth or uh, say that um, anything was or wasn't hard for her. But I believe at least that that probably was a hard decision for her mom. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think it was in our live episode that Maddie kind of retraced that and said that her mom maybe didn't fully appreciate how bad things were for right. Maddie at a period of time. And, and I think, you know, if you are a provider yourself and, you know, I think it can be hard to fully appreciate what even the people closest through you are going through. So I think it's, you know, there's always ways in which we need these things, like to be able to anon- anonymously submit your name in school and stuff like that. Because I think, you know, it's, it's kind of like when you're with someone all the time, Right. It can be hard to notice what's what's a... Especially when it's your child, too, right? right? Um, and we're, it's so funny because we're going to see the opposite of this a little later in one of our, um, my favorite moments from another episode. So it's interesting to see, you know, allowing someone to explore their own journey and then what happens when someone does um, step in. So that's a little teaser for you to keep listening. Oh, yeah. yeah. True. True. We'll get to there. All right, cool. Um, I'm going to go to my next favorite moment. Um, Back to another Johnny quote from his episode. I'm going to read the quote if you don't mind. Of course. All right. Johnny writes, you feel fragile and broken at a time when your friends feel strong and desirable. You will tell yourself you are irreparably sick and fundamentally ugly. You will feel entirely unworthy. And due to a non-existent culture around mental health wellness, you won't tell anybody. Lacking know-how, you will seek to cope in all the wrong ways. Please do not blame yourself for this. You are doing the best you could with the skills that you had. Yeah. Johnny, um, you know, and I talked about this a little bit in our live episode. I just think this quote particularly resonates for me personally. Mm -hmm. You know, I just think that there were times in my life where I felt like, Everyone has it all together. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think that's, that can be depression talking sometimes. That can be, um, you know, that, that comparison can really be unhelpful at points. And I really like the way that Johnny phrases this. And also that, you know, at the end of this, he's saying, don't blame yourself. You were doing the best you could with what you had. And I think we have all can look back and say... Give ourselves forgiveness. You know, yeah. you were doing the best you could 
with what you had at the, at the time. I really like the way that Johnny gives himself forgiveness here, too. Yeah. Johnny's episode is full of gems. Totally. Full of them. And um, it was the first... I had no previous um, relationship with Johnny before we recorded the episode. And so getting to know him uh, through his letter and through the interview process, I was I was blown... Like, at no point was I ready for what he was about to say next because his experiences and his his ability to like you said forgive himself and his ability to reflect on what has happened to him is unmatched this quote that you um pick also resonates with me um while maybe not through a mental health lens but probably you know i went through something similar as well especially um, high school into college where yeah you're seeing everyone what you perceive as everyone else living their best life and you're like what am I doing wrong <laughs> right why I mean, I've had yeah. many a times like that yeah, yeah. and uh, that I'm sure there are a lot of just not even again it, it, everything can relate back to mental health but just that feeling of being uh, kind of like imposter syndrome right I yeah. know that's kind of like a buzz phrase right now but it's true and there's a lot of people who go through that and again johnny's ability to reflect on that and to forgive himself is paramount um to his wellness journey and you you can feel that you can you can feel it when he's talking in a podcast but you can read it and it's illustrated in his letter as well yeah absolutely and i think you know it's just this quote too it's just such a testament to the ups and downs of our 20s, right? You know, I think a lot of times we do cope in all the wrong ways. Yeah. We do blame ourselves a lot, but finding forgiveness, this is important. So I love this quote. From yeah. So I'm going to talk about a cool moment that happened. Yeah. We've talked a lot. You know, we don't want to keep you, we, we want to include some cool moments as well. Um, and so one thing that I had no idea. Um, until he opened his mouth and talked to us a little bit about it um, before the pod, um, was Sean, Sean telling us that his parents, who are in like their late 50s, early 60s, got semicolon tattoos in the same place that he got his semicolon tattoo. And when I was, when we were recording the pod and he talked about this, it, like, he lit up, I lit up. We couldn't see Hannah because she had turned her... <laughs> Her camera off, I'm sure she lit up too. But like, how cool is that? So cool. So cool. And he... What's supportive? I love that. I just love everything about that. Yeah, he talks about his support system a lot. He talks about how um, when he sees other people with semicolon tattoos, he uh, tries to start a conversation with them and and learn a little bit about their journey and shares his own journey. And he's really big on um, becoming part of other people's support system. So... It was great to hear that his two people that um, were very important to him and um, a part of his support system went in that extra mile and was like, not only do we support you here, but here is another reminder, this tattoo, that we, we don't have tattoos. We're, <laughs> you know, this is not what we do. We're, we're not, not tattoo people right? necessarily, we're not tattoo but people. we love you. We love you so much. We're on this journey Here's with you. Here's a permanent you. reminder. I yes. love that. Yes. I also just love getting tattoos for healing purposes, you know, for holding that reminder. So I I love that Sean went and got that for himself, especially because, you know, Sean's really 
new in this journey too. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things have happened pretty recently to Sean. So just that's so awesome that that his support network came through like that. Yeah, and this Sean also demonstrates that um you're on everyone here demonstrates that you're on a journey. Sean is a little early in his journey, but he understood he understands that because he's early in his journey, there are a lot of people who were where he was and he wasn't there, you know, too long ago. And so he knows that he can help by sharing like, hey, I just got out of this. Yeah. And here's what it took for me to yeah. get to this point. And making helping with your own story part of your wellness journey is so empowering. I mean, that's why we have this show, right? right. Like this is, you know, sharing our stories and you know, being a supporter for someone else in mm-hmm. that way. So cool. So awesome. Absolutely. All right, cool. I'm going to move on to my next moment. Um, again, from Gwen's episode, which is a really good episode. It's a great episode. Um, you know, I, I just, again, want to commend Gwen through her perseverance through treatment in high school at the same time. And I think she phrases this in, in a way that was just, made it all so salient in the episode, you know, she realized she was doing full-time school days and then also doing these additional treatments mm-hmm. um, that were taking several hours in the evening. And um, she went through like an eight-week DBT program, just a big commitment to her own treatment. And What's a DBT program for her? Dialectical behavioral therapy. Yeah. Yes. So that is... A modality of therapy that definitely uses a lot of acronyms to help you remember kind of coping mechanisms and stuff. It's pretty cool if you're interested in it. Yeah. It was um, originally developed by a woman who lived with borderline personality disorder, but okay. we find that DBT is super helpful for folks living with bipolar, also depression. So Yeah, if you're not aware, um, Hannah is an MSW. She has a wealth Do have of a background knowledge. in social yes. work. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't say I'm a wealth of knowledge, but just enough to be dangerous. She's being humble. Um, but yeah, so anyways, just like when it's in reflecting back in the episode, she gave herself that grace of like, I'm going to high school full time and then I'm also doing all of this in addition for my wellness. Right. So just anyone who's hearing this, you know, just know that, you know, maybe you're working a full time job and you're also doing A, B and C for your own wellness and your own treatment. And just know that that's not easy. And, you know, give yourself grace and flexibility and, you know, healthy boundaries where you can because it is definitely a lot to take on um, some of these treatment programs, some of these treatment programs that are IOPs, intensive outpatient, um, that can be for weeks at a time. They definitely can have great impacts and great help for your mental health, but it's hard to do that and also navigate all of your other responsibilities. So, again, props to Gwyneth. Yeah, this brings up um, for me when she talked about telling other students that she had like practice for other things like dance yeah. practice or something else when she was really going to um, these treatment and, and hiding that. Um, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people who um, experience the same thing. But for Gwyneth, like when she got to college, realizing that, you know, um, her story could help other people and was probably important for other people to know shedding that and say no i have therapy or no i have this is what i'm doing and uh i think also offering her offering that story but offering herself as a resource so that other people would feel comfortable seeking out these mental health resources 
Absolutely. Uh, Gwen is a great advocate, and I think, you know, yeah, we've come a long way in terms of, like, cultural mental health literacy. I right. think, like, we are quicker to say, oh, I do have a therapy appointment, but I think the more we can have leaders, like folks who have contributed to this podcast, who can say, I'm, I'm taking care of myself right now. That is modeling for everyone else that you have permission to take care of yourself, too, and that's really important that we share that. Yeah. One thing uh, on a personal note is that uh, during the pandemic, like many people, uh, it was the first time I ever took up therapy. Um, one, because DBSA um, uh, gives us that opportunity. Um, but two, you know, uh, the pandemic was taking its toll on me and I needed yeah. to talk to someone about it. But I found myself, and it's probably because I work here, um, and we do we do this work, but I found myself just telling people like, hey, no, at seven on Wednesday, I have therapy, so I can't do it then. And I could see in some people, you know, them do the like, oh, he has therapy. But then my other friends, a lot of other friends were like, oh, I have therapy on this day. Right. And, I have, and that, you know, it feels good to know that those conversations are happening, but it also feels good to know like, oh, this person that I have this relationship with is also doing. And it, you know, normalizes those things. Yeah, absolutely. And for the people who are maybe giving you the sus, yeah. I mean, you've opened up, you know, an idea for them that, you know, it's it's possible for anybody who needs it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I teased this earlier, but I think one of my favorite moments and one of um the moments that will stick with me forever is when reading Olivia's letter. And her friend, she talks about her friend going to a dog after an um, episode of self-harm. Olivia brings this back up, and I'm so glad she does, uh, in the live episode where we learn there that she eventually, she has reconnected with this friend, or that she has reconnected with this friend and let them know um, what, you know, that interaction meant to her, means to her now. Versus what it meant to her at that time, yeah. right? Um, we all tell, at, I think she was 13 or 14, right? Yeah, I think it was like middle school. Yeah. Um, we tell our friends secrets yeah. at that age. Especially when we're that age. Yeah. And you don't, in the hopes that your friend isn't going to disclose your secret. That friend, you know, learns something and decides to go to an adult. I think for the good... But I'm sure there are plenty of people in this situation and wondering what would happen if I go to an adult and tell or if I tell someone, right? I think it's easy to be like, oh, this was a cry for help or this was her way of trying to let someone in because she needed to, um, uh, she needed to disclose it to someone for some reason. I'm going to be honest with you, Hannah. I think you know, kids share secrets and kids right. want to talk, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, back to what young Hannah would do. Yeah. And I, you know, I remember that age, especially middle school, it's like secrets stayed with right. your age group and they did not go to the adults. But, you know, I think the retrospect of it now, and if you are a younger person listening, it, you, it's hard to think about the long term exactly. when you're that age. It totally is, but... You don't even have a concept, really, of, like, long-term. You, sh- you sure don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, 
you know, long term for Olivia, this changed her life in exactly. a way that was very helpful and put her on the wellness journey that she is on today, which is so powerful. So, you know, the more we can do to educate, and I, I think kids this generation, they're more outspoken, they're more active, um, there's less stigma. So hopefully, you know, anyone who's hearing this now knows, like, if you see a peer of yours suffering in silence, that there is probably a way to either talk to them about going to a trusted adult or, you know, figuring out a way in which you might go on their behalf. But, exactly. But it's really important, um, you know, especially for kids who are in a period of crisis or a really hard time, that if, if you know something and you think it might benefit a trusted adult, that, that you try to share it. Yeah, and I think it paints an important picture, Olivia paints an important picture, that that damaged her relationship with that friend. Yeah. And that's a possibility. But as Hannah mentioned, it also kick-started her wellness journey. Right. So, and as a... I don't expect any 14-year-old to think of that large of a picture. Heck, I don't expect a 20-year-old to probably even think about that. So, um, you know, every we're not trying to paint, we're not trying to, in sharing these stories, we're not saying that everything is going to be all highs, right? They're going to have some lows. Some relationships may get damaged, but in the end, um, if it helps you share your story, if it helps you start your journey on wellness, if it helps you get help, then sometimes the ends justify the means. Right. Yeah, as long as, you know, people are keeping safe, you know, if you can be a peer who's watching out for your other friends, you know, just saying, are they safe? Yeah. And if you feel like they're not, you need to go to somebody, we hope you do it. And we have resources on our website. And in our, we've mentioned it in our social media a few times, so if you're not following us there, follow us there, about how to talk and how to how to talk to someone um, who's experiencing symptoms of depression or bipolar, using the right words, using compassionate language. Um, those res- resources are available on our website. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'm going to take my next favorite moment. Um, from Sean's episode, love this quote that he shared with us. Comparison is the thief of joy. And I think, you know, to tie it back to to what we were discussing with Johnny's episode, you know, feeling like everyone else is in the prime of their life, comparison is the thief of joy. You know, and I, and I think that that takes kind of a longer view um, to be able to reflect in that way. But, you know, especially if you're on a wellness journey and or you've just been diagnosed or things are not going well for you right now, you know, it's hard to not compare to our peers, but we also know that it that it can steal your joy, <laughs> and um, that it's not very helpful. It's not very productive. So I love that Sean um, pointed this out for us. Yes, Sean's episode is full of nice, like mantras, kernels, like these little yeah wisdoms um, like, that he picked up from his mom. Um, I think some of them he picked up from mm-hmm. his mom, um, and he lives by these like he recites these to himself even now um it's one of those things that you mention in like uh tips to help your wellness or like one of those things you read in those quippy articles but sean actually lives it and it helps him and um i think having a proof of concept is very important to for other people being able to demonstrate like hey these little reminders these little um mantras these little sayings 
actually helped me get to the next step when I'm feeling down. Mm-hmm. When I, and he also mentioned that he will continue like to help or um, continue to be a resource even when he is feeling down. He just lets the person know like, hey, right now I'm not at my best level, but I'm going to try to help you. And I, that struck me a lot too. To be yeah. like, even because, you know, demonstrating that again, it's not all highs. There are lows in this journey. There, there's going to be periods of sadness. There's going to be periods of hardship. But knowing, like I said, going back to these mantras, having those resource, having that um, that support system that Sean does, having access to the proper resources, organizations like ours, having all that in your toolbox to go to is important to continuing that journey. Um, and as we said before, Sean is very, all these people are very much on their, their journey. Sean is like, he's in it. He's in it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And just proud of him for pulling these kernels out and holding them so close. You know, that's kind of the, the basis for something like DBT, right? Just holding these things that you can, can remind yourself of that can help you along your path. And, and that Sean has been so helpful to others too. So awesome. So yeah. love that. All right, we're nearing the end here. So we have to talk about a moment that Hannah and I both like ran to each other in the office before the pandemic and like holding a printed version of this letter and was like, did you read this? And I was like, yes, I read this. I was hoping that you read it. So in Lauren's letter, she talks about, she tells herself that she doesn't need to start the world's biggest collection of candles and mugs to be special. Love that. Love that you know it. <laughs> you know it. We talk so about funny. it. It's so fun. We talk about it a little bit in the podcast, but it's just, it's one of those things because Hannah and I have a relationship with Lauren because of YAC. And so when we read it, we were like, oh, that makes That's so funny. So funny. And it just, you know, it's like something we didn't know about Lauren, right. but like, just love like envisioning her collecting these things because. You know, I think she was expressing that, you know, during periods where she might have felt an elevated mood, mm-hmm. she might have gone and, um, you know, decided to, to take on projects. I know she talks about... Right, she a screenplay or something? No, she no. started a blog that blog, had, like, yes. a thousand topics on it. Yes. We, like, I, we get this. Like, we totally get this. So it just, yeah, definitely made us laugh. I It resonates with me because I definitely have my depression spending <laughs> where I will you know, go and decide that I need to develop, like, a capsule wardrobe or, or something will fix fix me from spending, which, if you listen to our financial wellness podcast, you will know it's not true. Um, but, yeah, just thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, as Hannah mentioned, whether it was a period of um, elevated mood or was it Lauren discovering herself, it her navigating those two worlds, right? right. About to graduate college. And then being diagnosed with bipolar, but living with the, the symptoms of it beforehand and then deciding, like, where is Lauren? Where is quote unquote mania or hypomania? Right. And, and, you know, are they separate? Are these things a part of me? Right. And so she ends up titling her um, episode, Bipolar Doesn't Define You. Right. Um, and so it's such a powerful title. A great title. And, and just saying that. She doesn't need to do these extraordinary things to feel special. I think is a message that will resonate across the board, um, but especially for those people who may be living um, with the same symptoms that she was at the time. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Lo- love that. I mean, 
Everyone does like a candle in a mug. So, <laughs> so if you do buy a lot of candles and mugs, you know, part of your wellness yes. journey, so be it. Yeah. Everything in moderation, though. Don't, you might not need if the world's can. largest. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, love it, love it, love it. Um, so yeah, these these have been some of uh, some of our top moments from the first six episodes of "I'm Living Proof: A Letter to My Younger Self." Yes. Um, can I ask you a question as we close out? Of course. You have been so awesome as a host this year. How has it been, you know, being up close with everyone and hearing everybody's stories? Um, so one, I, I hear everyone's stories, as you pointed out. I feel like all of these people, all six of our guests, I have a little part of them with me because mm-hmm. I did the interview. I read their stories and we, we broke those things down. They were all very willing and open to be vulnerable with yeah. me um some of them we've had we you and i had previous relationships with but some of them were strangers to me and so i really appreciate that the other thing is sometimes the moments in those interviews get heavy and so i have to myself you know take a step back and say okay you know the interview is over yeah. that that the story the story isn't over but the interview is over it's time to edit the podcast or it's time to leave that where it is so that I can decompress a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love talking to our guests. I love um, hearing their stories and sharing in that experience. And I love having those moments with them. Um, like, again, asking Lauren about her uh, candle collection, talking to Sean and finding out about his, uh, his parents' semicolon tattoo, uh, how Johnny is continuing to help people um, become a resource for people and help people in the mental health realm. Working with Olivia on everything that Olivia <laughs> works on for YAC. And um, finding how much of like a self-starter and a like go-getter that Gwyneth is. Um, and then, you know, Maddie's, her, everything about Maddie and her journey is so unique to me. Having those things, like, you can't take those things from me. Right. Yeah. They live with me now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's definitely, um, you know, again, at the beginning of the episode, we were really plugging and we still are going to plug it. We want you to submit your letter. We want you to share your story with us because um, it's meaningful. And thank you again, Dante, for doing those interviews, hearing those stories and sharing them with our audience. Um, you know, it, there's so much power mm-hmm. in being able to speak vulnerably about your experience it can be very very um freeing so again if you're interested <laughs> head over i'm living proof yeah uh, the dbsa website we'll be back in 2022 mm-hmm. with new episodes so don't worry that's only a month away so can you believe that no i can't but hannah and i'll be back maybe with a couple of new twists to the episodes so we'll see, we'll see. Remember, rate and subscribe if you haven't already. And thanks again for being a listener. We really appreciate it. Thank you. The I'm Living Proof, a letter to my younger self podcast is hosted by DBSA Programs Manager Hannah Zeller and Digital Communications Manager Dante Freeman. If you like this episode, Please remember to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. To continue to support our work, head over to dbsalliance.org slash donate and thank you.